Uh, it's great to have you uh, with us this evening. Uh, my name's James. I'm one of the leaders here uh, at City Church. And uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us this evening to celebrate uh, Christmas with us. Um, I, I want to uh, take a few moments just to uh, consider some of the readings that we've already heard and that we will hear later on in the service because uh, the verses and the readings that we're hearing are, are much more than just uh, that kind of fantasy fairy tale story that we like to tell our children. But within the story, are some of the answers to life's biggest questions. And so I want to just consider some of those things uh, this evening. But before we get to that, I want to take you to some of my childhood memories of Christmas growing up. And uh, there were four or five Christmases, standout Christmases uh, uh, for me that I remember clearly. And that is because I, I remember waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, not because of excitement, because the sun was blazing through my curtains in my bedroom. It was hot. I, I, I would go downstairs and the air conditioning was on. Uh, and uh, we would, uh, I don't know what your tradition was in the morning, but we would have stockings and we would uh, unwrap our, our presents. And, and there were things like water pistols and swimming costumes and board shorts and surf t-shirts. And we would then go to church. We, we were a church family. And so we'd go to church wearing our board shorts and surf t-shirts. I don't know if there's a, I think there might be a picture uh, coming up of, uh, uh, there we go. Uh, never thought you'd see my nipples at church, but there you are. Um, uh, there's, there's my brother just completely in awe of what is going on right now. Uh, and so uh, there we were. We would, we would go, for, uh, then we'd go to church, uh, and then we'd come back uh, for Christmas lunch. And um, you know, we'd eat something you know, really tasty. So like not turkey, obviously, uh, because I don't know if you know, uh, but turkey is the food equivalent of a dehumidifier. It kind of so sucks the moisture out of every cell in your body. And if you want, I know I'm going to start ranting in a minute about turkey, uh, but I don't know why we all inflict this bird on us every year. And the evidence of how dry it is, is all the gravies and sauces that we, we put, it, put around it just to kind of wash it down. Anyway, we'd have, we'd have something nice like barbecue roast lamb and salads and it was lovely. And then uh, until, until we were burst and then, and then we'd go outside, we'd burst outside and play kind of backyard cricket or we might go for a swim in our new swimming costumes. There we go. Uh, you can work out which one's mine because I would have to go swimming with my glasses on. That, that's how bad my eyesight was. Uh, and so uh, uh, that was... That was Australian Christmases, in case you were wondering. It's not in the UK. Uh, and uh, uh, my dad was an Australian. We'd, we'd be able to go over to Australia and have Christmas with our uh, family. And I can just tell, even in the darkness, uh, some of your faces are just utter confusion, bemusement that sunny Christmases would be a thing. Uh, and uh, I can see how uncomfortable it makes you feel. Almost, you just want to shout, that's not how you do Christmas! That's, you're getting it all wrong. And I've now had more Christmases in the UK than I have done in Australia. And I am starting to be won over by how you lot do it. Uh, because I, I actually think that Christmas is something of a winter celebration. It, the Christmas in the Bible actually takes place in the darkness. Uh, even in the readings that we've heard already 
this evening, it points to that. So if you, if you think about the shepherds while they were on the hillside, it says this, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Or in John chapter 1, which we'll hear a little bit later on, it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And perhaps one of the most famous passages uh, we heard at the beginning, uh, written by a man called Isaiah, he said this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah lived 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and he recorded down what he saw was happening all around him. But he also could see something of redemption in it too. And here's, here's what Isaiah saw. Firstly, he saw the condition of the world. He described the world as the land of deep darkness, a world that was full of hostility, division, wars, wickedness, disease, destruction, poverty, injustice. It was like staring into the abyss of darkness. You know, Isaiah could really have been a journalist, couldn't he, in, in today's media. The darkness of our world hasn't really changed, has it, since Isaiah's time. There's been, of course, huge strides in science and technology and healthcare, but the last few years have really kind of lifted the lid on all that is wrong in our world. There is war, there is abuse, there is racial injustice, there is disease, there's, there's a mental health crisis, there is poverty. The list goes on and on. And it's, it's not a leap to say that the world that we live in is also a land of deep darkness. Now, the darkness out there is fairly easy to see, isn't it? But perhaps what is more difficult is to understand why this darkness exists in the first place. The, the writer and author, G.K. Chesterton, he, he was a thinker in the 19th century, and he was asked by a, a national newspaper this question. Imagine getting asked this. What is wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? And uh, Chesterton wrote back to that national newspaper with a very short letter which said this, Dear Sirs, I am yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. You see, it's, it's not difficult to see and to look out and, and think that the problems are all out there. The problems, the, the darkness is all out in the big, bad world. But what Chesterton saw and had the self-awareness and the honesty to admit was that the darkness out in the world was just, wasn't just an external thing, but rather there was a darkness in the human heart, his human heart as well. There is a restlessness within each one of us, which we look to the world to satisfy. And, and Christmas kind of, 
It's like a microcosm, isn't it, of what we, what we try and do all year round. We try and cover the darkness by kind of celebrating and gifts. And, and all those things are brilliant. But there comes a moment, isn't there, where you're, you have to face reality again. That when the, the decorations come round, I mean, one year, Sarah and I left the decorations up until February. That was how scared we were of facing the reality of another year ahead. There is a restlessness in each one of us. And Isaiah saw the darkness out in the world and also of humanity. He said the people walking in deep darkness. And yet he also saw something else. He saw something else. You see, 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah made the most extraordinary prediction. I mean, imagine trying to predict something 700 years time. It is absolutely extraordinary. And he predicted that into that very darkness of the world, into the darkness of human existence, a light would dawn. That God would not leave humanity to their own devices, but rather act decisively and definitively and his master plan would come in the most extraordinary of circumstances. Isaiah wrote about it. And this is what he said. He said, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's chosen remedy for the darkness in the world and in our hearts was not to pretend that it wasn't there. It wasn't to wave a a magic wand and, and sort everything out. No, this God decided to enter into our dark and broken world to take on the very limitations and fragility that we all experience. He was born of a a teenage virgin in a stable in the backwaters of Bethlehem under occupation rule. He would grow up and go through the full human experience of joy and sorrow and grief, of laughter, of love and yet rejection, preaching a message of peace to all, an eternal life that could be found only in him. And and such was the impact of what Jesus came to do and what he said that the religious leaders and the political leaders were outraged by this man who was claiming to be the son of God. And so they plotted, and they plotted to, to kill him to give him a criminal's death on a cross. And as he was hung on that tree and as he breathed his last breath, the light of the world went out. And darkness appeared to have the final word. And yet as as C.S. Lewis describes in his Chronicles of Narnia, There was a deeper magic at work. That's how he puts it. 
And, and Jesus' resurrection three days later, again, is an extraordinary thing. The light of the world had died, and yet three days later had defeated death, conquered death, was raised to life, appeared to his followers. The darkness and brokenness that we experience was taken by him on the cross. And you might think, well, why? Why would he do that? It was so in order that we would experience peace with God. You see, you might be here this evening and you've come knowing that there is a darkness in your life. Or perhaps you've come carrying burdens that are too heavy to shoulder. That the Christmas cheer is just really masking over what is really going on in your life. The Christmas message isn't just a once a year thing. But the baby that was born in a manger was God's rescue plan. The the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah put it, has come to bring you and I peace. And this peace isn't just a kind of a zen-like experience that we can get at kind of a yoga class or a nice little retreat down in Devon. It's a peace that deals with the very darkest parts of our being. It's a, it's a peace that you can experience now and for the rest of your life and into eternity. It's a peace that will satisfy your restless soul. That everything that you've looked for meaning, the things that you've been searching for in the world will never fill that void And yet Jesus comes and he offers you peace. Peace with him that will satisfy you forever. And the way that he does it is he gives himself. He gives himself, which which might sound quite twee. Are you saying that, sorry, that the the way that God is going to deal with the darkness in my life is that he gives us himself it's a little bit like that family member who, you know, who never buys you any Christmas presents and rocks up on Christmas morning and says, my present to you is a Christmas hug and you just want to bin them and shove them out the door. Not another one. Uh, no, Jesus gives himself. And, and as I was thinking about it, I, I was reflecting on one of my favorite Christmas films, right? Uh, we won't do a straw poll of what your favourite Christmas films are. But Home Alone 1 and 2 are the best. So I've got the microphone, tough luck. Uh, and, and at the end of Home Alone 2, so you've got Kevin, who's the kind of protagonist, main character uh, in the film. And um, uh, what happens, and I'm sorry if you haven't watched it, but it is 30 years old. So tough, again, tough luck, spoiler alert. Um, Kevin is estranged from his family, and by the end of the film, uh, he is given two things. The first thing is, is that a, a toy maker uh, in the community gives him a whole stack of presents, so he, he's obviously very happy about that. Uh, and then the second thing that he receives is, is being reunited with his family. Now, I wonder, what, which do you think he hugged first? It certainly wasn't the presents lying underneath the tree. 
he gave his mum a huge hug. And there's something significant about that. Because what we see in Jesus is the greatest gift. In fact, the greatest person that ever lived is the greatest gift. And so the greatest possible gift can only be the greatest possible person. Which is why we should be wide-eyed and our minds should be blown at the idea that Isaiah would write, unto us a child is born, unto us a saviour has been given. It is extraordinary that Jesus, the King of heaven, would give himself to us. In fact, it's what the angels were singing about. Imagine being the shepherds on the side of a hillside and this chorus of angels emerges out of the darkness singing glory to God in the highest and peace to all on whom his favor rests. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Peace himself. He came near and offers himself to you. In the midst of our dark world, in the midst of the darkness that we all experience, it was his glory that pierced the night. It was through the darkness that we experienced and, that, and it was through the darkness that he then experienced at the cross that he offers us light and life in our hearts. So as I think back to my Australian Christmas mornings, and although they bring up fond memories, Christmas is, is, is really not about celebrating the sunny circumstances of our lives. It is looking to the eternal light that has come into our dark world and has offered us peace and wholeness and reconciliation with God and one another. It can only be found in him. And so I'm going to take a moment just to pray. And if you are feeling weary, restless, I want to pray that you would experience the peace that comes from knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. That instead of keeping us at arm's length or leaving us to our own devices, you came near to us and took on human flesh and went through everything that we would go through in order to identify yourself with us. And Jesus, we want to take a moment to acknowledge and admit that there is darkness in our hearts and there is a restlessness in us. And so, Lord, we... We turn our eyes to you and we ask, would you fill us with your peace now and forever?